This is the Mobile Tech Podcast, brought to you by worldpodcasts.com. Now here's your host, tech girl, Miriam Joie. Brought to you by Audible. Stay tuned for a special offer at the end of the show. Hi, and welcome to the Mobile Tech Podcast. I'm your host, Miriam Joie, and today is Thursday, November 17th. 2022. We're in Hawaii, in beautiful Maui, for the Snapdragon Summit. And I have Ziad Ashkar here with me of Qualcomm to talk Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. Thank you for having me. Always excited to talk about all the tech. I'm super stoked that you're here because always hearing it from the horse's mouth is the best. (laughs) So, you know, I... I'm going to be going over with Andrew later on in the show about some of the things that stood out for us, but I kind of want to get from Qualcomm. Like, sure. what do you think are the key things that really bring this chip to, you know, to the forefront of technology right now? I'd love to talk about it. So I think this is a true tech marvel in every sense of the word. We have pushed every technology bar to a higher level. Yeah. So let's start, for example, with the camera. Okay. See? You're using the cameras, of course. Very happy to see that on the Snapdragon. But what we wanted to do is like every consumer survey that we do, consumers want a better experience. So what we did with this one is actually we have integrated a hardware segmentation capability. So at this frame right now, we can actually figure out exactly where the cloth is, where the skin is, where, you know, Face, the glasses, where everything background, is. And if like you're the beach or the sky. Exactly, vegetation. vegetation. So you can enhance Buildings. each one of them the right way for the picture turner exactly how you want it right and then because it's a hardware engine you can actually do for video as well right so, now, so that's i think the big differentiator because we've had segmentation on you know in imaging exactly. pipelines on various phones whether it be snapdragon or others for a while now that's right but i think the key here is you're talking real time in hardware on the viewfinder exactly. while you're recording what 8k video or that's something right. right which is like amazing amazing that's right and along with that, what you're able to do now is that we actually call it the cognitive ISP. Okay. Which means that actually you, we have created a very special hexagon direct link, allows you to take the camera data, mm-hmm. take it to the AI engine, and be able to process it and add every effect, every capability imaginable. You can look into the darkest rooms and be able to see through it. Right. You can create depth out of it to be able to create bokeh effects and all. And all of those things you can actually see through your viewfinder. So you're actually kind of creating a shortcut inside the chip for the ISP to talk to the AI engine. Exactly. Which is a, a new, major new feature, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. And then you've got a whole bunch of other accelerated features for since we're on imaging. That's right. Uh, that stood up. Correct me and add if I forget any. No There's uh, automatic horizon stabilization, right? That's so, right. You, you know, the horizon will always be perfect. I'm, I'm so picky about that. You have no idea. <laughs> I will edit my photos after the fact, if I see that the horizon is a little off, I, I'm very good at visualizing when things are off like that, and it drives me nuts. Absolutely. So having the idea that a phone will do it for me is nice. Uh, also, you're doing um, you know, fun with bouquet, right? That's so right. So you're able to change the shape of the bouquet. Again, we've yes. seen this before. Yes. Even on very basic Snapdragon chips, like Nokia has done it yeah. uh, for years now, I think on the 400 and 600 series. but. Right. This is happening in real time. You can do it video now. You can do it in all kinds of places. You know, just like you said, you can have this beautiful sunset that we see in Hawaii every day. And then that horizon is tilted. And every time you look at that picture and you're like, ah, you know, I messed it up. Well, the phone takes care of it for you, right? It's amazing. And then at the same time, those bouquet effects you're talking about, that all those things that are, you know, in the depth field, Mm -hmm. you can actually change what they look like, those light sources. 
can make them look horizontal, I mean, like square or circular or heart shaped or whatever people want to do. Right. So now, those selfies that people love to take, you can even add another factor to them that's amazing. Yeah. And it's cool because now you're not just giving, uh, you know, in terms of like fake bokeh, right? Like we're, if the camera sensor is small, you're not going to get natural depth of field. So the selfie cameras generally don't have that much natural that's depth right. of field. So what you're saying basically is that now you cannot just do a, a fake, you know, depth perception. You're actually able to adjust it, I think. That's, That's right. the thing. Like you can go from like what is f sixteen or fourteen to f one point four or something. We can do so all the adjustments. super range, exactly. And then you can make the bouquet shape a star, or heart, whatever it might be. Exactly. See, that was the whole idea. The technology that we have, because of the augmentation with AI, mm -hmm. no DSLR can do that for you. No, of course not. Right? We we've left. But that's been the case forever. I mean, I've, exactly. I feel like mobile photography has its like inherent advantage simply Indeed. because of that. Indeed. Um, any other, since we're on imaging, yeah. features I might be forgetting that are specifically using that AI and that real-time So hardware. we also have basically an always sensing camera in there. Oh, that's and right. And it solves another set of problems for you with a small, basically a dual-core AI engine that's on a separate, what we call our sensing hub. So another key pain point that I have personally is if you are like inclined or laying down Sometimes what happens is your phone keeps going between portrait and landscape. Yeah, yeah. Right? So it can landscape just detect that. Now it detects your yeah. face, knows exactly what orientation to keep it in, and you have a far better experience on yeah. that. Similarly, another thing that that also is able to do is, for example, you're here, you're entering your nice mobile uh, banking password, mm -hmm. and well, that happens to notice that there is a face Person right behind, behind you. you. Yeah. It can basically warn you about that. Right. So features like that that actually make and make your data even more secure on the device is another uh, focus. And it's completely separate from the actual main processor. Like it's just a little thing that runs at the same time Indeed. in its own little universe. So it doesn't impact the processing performance of your Not at all. It's extremely low power. It's not identifying faces. It's just uh, recognizing that there is a face. Not what the face is. Right. But just pointing out that there is a face. And if there is a face, it's a one. If there is not, it's a zero. And based on that information, you can do a lot of such right. great sure. use cases. So walk us through some of the other changes. I, from you know, maybe I'll go through CPU, GPU, and and bunch of other things. Sure. CPU, the big change is you change, you rearrange a number of efficiency cores versus mm -hmm. performance. Performance. Yes. Thank you. So what was the decision yeah. behind that? Could you tell us a little more That's about great it? Great question. So see, what we are really focused on is to be able to get to the best experience possible. And as we work through, I have a large team under me that focuses on. Uh, gaming experience right. called the Snapdragon Studios. And basically what we've been doing is working with all the game engines. And one of the key pain points that was coming from them is that with the new way the games are written, you want more than four performance or very capable threads from the CPU. Right. To be able to give you even better gaming performance. So what we've done in this one is we have one X3 core, we have two A715s, we have two A710s. Ah, okay. And then three... Five tenths, the efficiency. Efficiency. Course. So you've gone from four to three on the efficiency, right? Exactly. So now the reason why did we do the seven ten seven fifteen? Well, there's this trans transformation that's happening in moving the ecosystem from thirty two bits to sixty four bits. The seven fifteens cannot run thirty two bit applications. Right. So if you go all seven fifteen, then you're screwed for the old apps. Exactly. You're messing up the legacy apps. We don't want that. So that's why we think we have come up with absolutely the right configuration to be able to make sure that while this trans transition is happening, we can support 32-bit apps, we can support 64-bit apps, and give a very good experience to the user on use cases like gaming. Cool. 
Uh, the big news, if I remember from the GPU side, was the ray tracing, of mm -hmm. course, which we've seen on hardware acceleration for PCs and consoles for a while, but is only now coming to mobile. And you know, it's, it's funny because the demos mm -hmm. are over the top always. It's like, <laughs> oh my God, look at the difference. But I think what's going to matter more is when we start seeing it in games and it becomes a subtle thing where you're like, oh, look at that. Like that feels real, like shadows that are like a little bit more, you know, like kind of like diffuse. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I'm all for like, you know, the crazy <laughs> demos, but I feel like yeah. I think when it's going to really hit us yes. is when we see it in a real game and you're like, Oh, wow, look yes. at how good this looks. Totally. But we can't quite put our finger on it, you know? Totally agree. And when it will not be there, you'll notice it Exactly. Now, right? So basically, the part that I'm really excited about over here is, this is a capability that until a couple years ago, you needed to have a desktop plugged in to be able to it's get. It's crazy, right? Right? We have been able to do it from a ground-up ray tracing engine development perspective, brought this to, you know, the palm of your hand, and you're able to stay under that 5 foot envelope and still be able to get all the gaming experience Plus this amazing mirroring, shadowing, and lighting effects. Literally, you know, each and every ray of light following through and giving you realistic, uh, you know, lighting and all those benefits. Nice. And you can do more than 10 billion intersections of light with the way we designed this engine all under the 5 watt on That's incredible. I mean, 5 watt is like nothing to start with. And uh, I mean, yeah, I think this is uh, it's exciting. And I have one more, right? Oh, yeah? So now we actually have real games right some people are talking about ray tracing we have multiple games coming from multiple oems and partners yeah, show them on stage that will yeah. be available at launch so this is not slideware this is absolutely real and we're super excited about it. wow very cool all right let's talk we see with the gpu cpu isp there is uh oh there's all connectivity stuff right so there is wi-fi 7 mm -hmm. you've got dual bluetooth mm -hmm. let's talk about all that real sure. quick so i think to me wi-fi 7 like it's kind of one of those future-proofing things. Yep. And of course, when you start looking at Snapdragon AR2 Gen 1, mm -hmm. potentially accessorizing with glasses and stuff, then you really need that fast connectivity, right? Absolutely. But I also think that it goes beyond that because I feel like, you know, as we're going more wireless mm -hmm. for things like us creators, like I'm recording video here, right? Or recording audio with another phone. I got a laptop with other That's audio. Right. I'm going to have to synchronize it all. I'm shuffling data through USB a lot, right? Yeah. And right now, I wouldn't think of it doing any other way because right. it's reliable and it's fast. Right. And with Wi-Fi 6, I can, but it's not great. I think what people don't realize is with <laughs> Wi-Fi 7, we're getting closer to the portless phone That's in a way, right? right? Because right. we're going to be at a place where you can just have that massive, you know, multi-gigabyte, like 40, 50, 60 gigabyte file sitting on your phone for rec like record like an hour, 4K, exactly. 60. And you can take it and like just this. bang over exactly. to your laptop without having to plug in. That's right. And yes, I mean, it's not going to speed up your internet because it's fast, way faster than that already. Indeed. But, you know, anything you do on all your devices on that network are yeah. going to be impacted. And sure, you're not going to have a Wi-Fi 7 router right away, yes. right? But eventually you will. You will. Is and that kind of how you guys see it? There's, there's a great way to do it, right? Number one, the AR story that you told is absolutely the right one. But I think the other key thing we have seen happen is during the COVID days. Right. Right. Everybody has been starved for bandwidth. Uh -huh. Well, that's why Wi-Fi 6 adoption was so fast. And that's why we think Wi-Fi 7 will be pretty fast too. Okay. And I think that's why we have the router side also. We have this side too. Yeah. And you can do things like you talk about large files and you start to think differently where you don't talk about taking it via USB. 
Now you literally can say, hey, transfer my file over there and poof, it's gone. Yeah, or if you're on a laptop and you have a NAS in the corner, you can actually do video editing live on the NAS exactly. now. Exactly. Without being wired in on Ethernet or something. Exactly. Um, but I think the other thing that I feel like, you know, people are not realizing is, is that having overhead bandwidth yes. is valuable too. Absolutely. It's like, you know, when you get a gigabit fiber connection symmetric at home, which I have, it, it's not so much that, you know, you're going to use it one gigabit, Yeah. you know, but the fact that you can reliably get 300 megabits, like solid, sustained is very for an useful. entire yes. hour without any interruption, that's where you see the Indeed. difference. And Indeed. then you have two or three people doing yes. that, and then it becomes an issue. Right? And now what people are also realizing is there's so much going on in your home, right? You've got security cameras running. Oh, yeah. You know, NAS is syncing up. You basically might have a connected thermo uh, thermostat and all. Right? All of those things are basically tapping for bandwidth that right. at some point or not. It all adds up. Yeah. And then, you know... For two people watching two different 4K TVs at the same time, right? Exactly. So, yeah. So, you know, tell us quickly a little bit more about, I know there's some AI engine yes. stuff built into the 5G now. You're doing yes. beamforming in, like, right in yes. there in the 5G <laughs> modem, which is crazy. So, basically, you know, I always talk about it that I look at AI as this horizontal technology that it goes across all the technologies. Yeah, for right? sure. Makes your audio better, makes your video better, makes your camera better. Well, now it makes your modem better, too. Because a lot of those things that could have been hardwired in the past... At a high level, at a, at a you know, at a philosophy level, now you can basically apply AI to configure them exactly based on what kind of channel yeah. condition you are in. So you can do beamforming, you can do channel quality indication, you can do a lot of such routine things, but now you optimize them based on the channel environment around you. That changes the experience completely. Sure. And that's why now already our stellar modem can even do better. You can get in signals at times when you would not have been able to in the past because of application of AI. And maybe just to add a little bit more, on the AI side, we've gone crazy on Agent 2. So I'm, I'm quite pleased with that because we've enabled Integer 4 processing. Oh yeah, that's a big deal yeah. too, right? You're giving, giving developers an option on how to best benefit from that AI. Exactly. Because ultimately it's a finite resource. That's right. right? So people keep asking me, what does this mean? I'm like, look, when the model gets trained in the cloud, it's trained in 32 bits. That's a lot of bits. Now, if you could shrink it down to four bits, it means if I have this much compute in my device, Instead of being able to run one model, if I can run eight models yeah. concurrently, well, you got a lot more AI going. But what's the challenge? The challenge has been getting accuracy, right? Right. So that's why we developed a full Qualcomm AI studio, has all the tools, has everything for you to be able to make sure that your accuracy is still maintained as you yeah. go from higher bit widths to four bit and still be able to get the power performance benefits. And you can test it for yourself and make sure, and, and maybe four bits is not enough and you don't go to eight bit, but at least you can try it. Yes. And hopefully if the accuracy stays, your model can run on four bit. And exactly. Boom, you're, you're exactly right. So that's pretty awesome. Yes. I used to work in video games as a developer, ah. so I can relate to some of that stuff. Nice. Of having to shuffle around with different integer and floating To make it types. fit, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And my audience is pretty tech savvy, so they'll get it. Nice, nice. But uh, tell me if we missed anything that we should just talk about real quick before we wrap up. I think one of the other key things we brought in is if you think about the technologies that are lighting up metaverse. Mm -hmm. So we also enabled spatial audio this time, right? Yeah, there's that. Yeah, that's for a really sure. cool one because I mean, you can imagine in metaverse, you got your avatar on one side and you got your friend on the other side. You want to know where that sound is coming from. Oh, yeah. And right, spatial audio allows you to do that. And we're doing dynamic spatial audio, which means that if you move your head, we're able to track that right. and adjust the sound uh, waves around you mm -hmm. to still be able to give you that same experience. Mm -hmm. Along with that, with superb AI, along with that best in class camera capability and products like AR2, 
And essentially now we're putting together all the pieces. Yeah, it's an ecosystem, right? It's I mean, if you have a Snapdragon sound chip equipped earbuds, headphones, you get a better experience. That's right. Because it integrates well with the solution. So yeah, no. I mean, obviously I realize you guys are doing that. It's just, you know, I'm trying to think of like specifically on the on the HN2. But yeah, the the spatial audio is great. I love that you have dual Bluetooth too, which yeah. I think makes enable all kinds of new functionalities, which is really helpful. Yes. So I mean it's um, you know. It's a powerhouse. I feel like the thing is always interesting to me. Every time I'm at this summit, mm -hmm. I feel the same. It's like, oh, you know, it's it's better and it's, you know, mm -hmm. pretty impressive. A lot of people have put a lot of effort and energy mm -hmm. into it. I recognize that. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, you know, it seems like just, you know, it's like incremental. But then you actually start using the devices. And when the experiences hit that benefit from yes. that, that technology, that's when you were like, oh, okay. And so I think we're at that stage right now where we're all yes. like, okay, the phones are coming. <laughs> Let's wait till we can test them out. But I'm excited about that. We're because excited. It, I, the rumors are, and I'm not, I'm not fishing, <laughs> that, that, that Xiaomi folks is going to have their phone out on the 1st of December. So that's very soon. So whether that's true or not, I don't know. <laughs> but that means that today, like we're about 12 days away from a <laughs> Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 phone. <laughs> so that's it. Thanks for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thanks. So, Andrew, we're here now. Yeah. We've done uh, a little time with the Qualcomm folks. Mm -hmm. They give us their spiel. What's your take? Less of a spiel, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> I like that juxtaposition, though. It's a good combination. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. just so you know, folks, obviously, we're in Hawaii for the Snapdragon Summit. That's why I interviewed uh, Qualcomm exec just now. So, obviously, we have some opinions. We have some thoughts. We've been briefed on all the things. What's your take on this? Is it, do you feel like, like, are you excited? Is it just evolutionary? I just like yawning? Like what's... Well, the interesting thing that I saw, I mean, if we just want to start with the 8 Gen 2. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the key um, one here, right? The, the interesting thing is, obviously, they they talked about very specific things in the in the imaging realm. I know that that's, that's where you want to live. But, yeah. you know, they were like, look, we are here to support all of the top things that you're going to see in this coming year in terms of 8k hdr video 200 megapixel sensors one inch sensors where we have a dedicated ai link between yeah. the isp and the ai engine like i felt like that was probably the most compelling thing only because all the other stuff is so evolutionary where it's just like sure we have you know a slightly different core layout and there's ai everywhere. okay yeah, I mean, I thought that to me, the key kind of like, other than imaging, which I could do an entire show about, yeah. I mean, there are some good, there's good things in there, but a lot of it are features that we've seen in imaging before, but they're now running in real time in the viewfinder. And yeah. I think that's important because a lot of these features in the past, you didn't see them until you shot. Right. And now having like the bokeh stuff happening in real time, all the, all the segmentation, the, the segmentation the I think is the yeah. bigger one. And I think on an AI level, I think a lot of the way they've re kind of structured the internals of the chip to yeah. optimize the AI, mm -hmm. the way some parts of the chipset can talk to other parts of the chipset to kind of optimize the AI use, I think is really interesting. And of course, we're going to see some improvements in performance and battery life. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's also good because like we always want more. We want faster, we want longer battery, right? And I mean, I want to see... But one thing that was pointed out to me when, you know, of course, they always show the, okay, we're 90% more efficient and it, you, you know, whatever, it's five times more powerful and uses the, yeah. the power, whatever. A lot of those comparisons were um, against uh, 8 Gen 1 
not one plus. Oh, that's a good point. And so, I mean, we saw solid gains just oh, from the plus. Just from the switch to basically going to TSMC. Yeah. So I'm a little worried that. So I'm wondering, like, how much of that, like, where does where does the plus land in between one and two? Exactly, I'm worried about know. that a little bit. Mm -hmm. I also am worried, like, did they announce that they're doing this with TSMC again? I don't remember them saying that. So because <laughs> there are rumors, I was this is I don't think related to Snapdragon Summit, mm -hmm. and it might be rumors that happened before the summit. I just remember reading the news throughout the week sometime and seeing something say. Qualcomm might go back to using Samsung. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, after I've seen the Nine. gains, yeah. you know, and I know MediaTek uses TSMC mm -hmm. as well, and it really works well for them. Yep. So I'm like, I, I don't want to say Samsung can't do it as well. Obviously, they're, you know, a pretty mighty chip maker, fab mm -hmm. company. And I don't want to take that away from them. But at the same time, I'm like, clearly from Gen 1 to plus Gen 1, mm -hmm. we've seen such an improvement. Yeah. I kind of hope they stay with TSMC. Yeah, I hope so as you well. You know, but anyway, the other features that stand out to me are, you know, yeah, ray tracing on the GPU in hardware now. Of mm -hmm. course, you know, MediaTek did it last week. You know, I think this is par for the course at this point. Yeah, it's it's a nice demo. And I I have to, I don't know if you saw any of my tweets. <laughs> I'm not the biggest like. These ray tracing demos are a little bit much at this point. For Maybe sure. it's because you know we cover the computing space so much at DT that like ray tracing's been just the thing with desktop gaming and GPUs, and it's just like okay, I've, I think I've had enough of seeing like the most reflective water even, you've ever yeah. seen. <laughs> even I, who doesn't cover much on the gaming side and the PC side, I'm like I kind of roll my eyes. I'm like, yeah. okay, great, you did it. It's on mobile now. Yeah. Like, but we know the demos, we've seen them. Yes, right. it's important. I mean, I personally think the best thing about ray tracing is not so much the you know the reflections on water or whatever. I like the the shadows, how yeah. they're soft. I like how you have a light source that shines through like a, some sort of structure or something right. that projects, that casts the right shadows everywhere. Things don't have to look like they're basically studio lit. Exactly. Yeah, right. And I like that. It gives you kind of like a bit of a, I mean, obviously more realistic, but it's also kind of a, more, a softer vibe. It doesn't mm -hmm. kind of sear your eyes as much as yeah. traditional games that don't have ray tracing. And that's why I, I'm sure I'll appreciate it when it just kind of becomes a thing that's a little integrated and you just notice yeah. it. Because right now the demos are obviously going to like, they took that slider and they moved yeah. it all the way up. Yeah. Those demos are ridiculous. Yeah. And I just want to say they were just as ridiculous as MediaTek last week. Like it's not like just Qualcomm. No. Or, okay? Gaming so demos in general. There's that. There's this ray tracing. That's a big deal. Of course, power saving, performance improvements, ISP, image processing. Mm -hmm. But I always feel with Qualcomm is that they're like, we are like an art store, art mm -hmm. supply store. Sure. We give you a palette of tools right. Look that at all these you things. can use as an OEM to use our chipsets more effectively mm -hmm. for your imaging pipeline. But half the time... The manufacturers don't use it. It yeah. take a long time to implement it or whatever. We've seen so many of those demos showing, I mean, not the, the level of segmentation and layering that we saw yesterday. That's but, more than before. Yeah, but we have seen that type of demo yeah. so many times. It's like, okay, it, it can segment this out and we can apply different lighting effects. And, you know, I obviously loved the little demo of... And, and you should too, of the reflection in the glasses. Oh, that was cool. Where they showed they could remove the reflection in the glasses selectively and leave everything else lit the same. It's like, that's amazing, but who is going to use it? 
Yeah, when am I going to get a phone in my hand that has a setting that I can turn on that does that? Right, remove the reflectivity. Right, because that's not a setting I necessarily want to have on all the time, Mm -hmm. right? Because it does look a bit weird. Like, Mm -hmm. if you're used to seeing somebody... You know, with slight reflections of their glasses, all of a sudden, like it's like they almost have no lenses. They're just clear. Yeah, it's a bit, it's a bit weird. But I do think there's some good stuff in there. Like I think that the the horizon leveling that we've Mm -hmm. seen that as well before, but we've never seen in real time. Yeah, like where it's literally you've moved the phone like this, and the the whole thing just stays, and that's cool. How useful is that? I mean, you know, it's like I suppose like companies have to commercialize. GoPro's been doing it for a while, Mm -hmm. so this is just. You know? But that's also something that you start to get into when we're looking at 200 megapixel sensors. Right. You can start to do all this. That's one of those things where it doesn't really need to be a setting necessarily. Like you can just throw that on there and you can always be cropping in just a little bit and just rotating it a little bit. Yeah. And depending on the subtlety, it could be really nice. No, I think, it, I mean, it would definitely help if you're trying to shoot some kind of action video mm-hmm. and you want to try to leave, keep the horizon stable enough so that it seems okay. Like I think for that, and that's, that's why, that's why GoPro has it. Mm-hmm. But I feel like overall this, there's some interesting things in there. Like the two, Better improved 200 megapixel support mm-hmm. is going to be a big deal because we're going to see a ton of phones That's that just way. Gonna La- like so, you know, right now it's a little iffy the 200 megapixel support on mm-hmm. the exact on the existing chipsets, and you know, so I feel like we're going to see improvements. But it's a little thing they announced, but um, this IMX 800 and 989 from mm-hmm. Sony, which are two pretty good quality 50 megapixel sensor. The 989 is a one-inch sensor, mm-hmm. which is currently on the Xiaomi 12S Ultra, the, the only phone mm-hmm. that really has a non-cropped one-inch sensor. Yeah. And it's coming to a Vivo phone very soon. Mm. That sensor, both of these sensors support what's called QDOL, which mm-hmm. is quad. Like it's basically HDR for video, mm-hmm. but it's using four exposures per frame mm-hmm. in real time mm-hmm. up to like 60 frames a second or something. Right. So it means you can shoot HDR video without having to be in an HDR mode. Like you don't have to worry about like, is this Dolby Vision or HDR yeah. 10 or whatever. You just like shoot, kind of like you and shoot a photo today. And it's just into And the it file. looks natural mm-hmm. and you get good contrast between dark parts and light parts and it's doing it in real time. And that's something that's supported in hardware on the Snapdragon 8 Gen 2 and is available for these two sensors. Mm-hmm. Those two sensors are not very common yet because I mean, the one inch one is particularly expensive. Yeah. This, IMX 800 is on the Honor 70. Mm. It's the only phone I know that has it. Maybe we're going to see more phones that now that Snapdragon supports that feature mm-hmm. and then they can like say, oh, look, we're doing this. But this is something Sony made the sensor to do yeah. that needed some hardware support to mm-hmm. make it happen. So Yeah, and those are the like rising tide kind of moments that yeah. come out of Qualcomm. You know, I, I love the art supply store. Like That's basically th- what That's it is. what comes from this is they're like, oh, Wow. Okay. Now I don't have to do a custom yeah. integration of any sort to get this great sensor. And like, okay, yeah. that, that's that's going to be beneficial. So I think that's kind of what I'm excited about on the imaging front is once the manufacturers take advantage of some of these functionalities, you're going to see basically a, a very real preview of what your photo is going to look like in mm-hmm. your viewfinder, which is not something you necessarily get right now. No. And then, uh, yeah, ray tracing. Uh, there's also some improvements to kind of like ambient computing where you're like, it's constantly able to, you know, run the cameras, but they did more around that and it's more secure. They say, I mean, those are the things that feel the most 
like really speculative demos because that those things require so much more integration with the entire operating system yeah. and like the presence detection stuff yeah the some of the security things where they showed demos of or is it, you know, as soon as it see, you know, the camera sees another person in the frame, like coming up behind you, all of a sudden, like whatever, pauses your video or puts you in do not disturb and like all sorts of stuff like that. Like that is not like coming in the Galaxy S23. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> like those are things that OEMs need would need to take a very deliberate set of steps to, to yeah, implement those. For things. sure. I kind of like the idea that if somebody's looking over your shoulder, your screen, mm -hmm. you know, blurs or whatever, like. Privacy is important, and this happens to us all the time. Yeah. Especially those of us who are dealing with embargoes yeah. on an airplane or something. You know, right. who knows who you're sitting next to? We want to. that stuff to be shut down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those things are those things are pretty interesting, but and the the sensing hub stuff. And I mean, for me, it falls in the same category as all of the connectivity stuff. But there's like we give you literally every connectivity standard <laughs> and every radio, every band of, and it's like. Cool. You just don't have to think about it anymore. Like this is going to have Wi-Fi seven. Wi-Fi seven. It's going to have every single five Bluetooth support. Band. Yeah, every. Oh yeah, dual band. Bluetooth too now. Yeah, which is nice. And you know more lossless and app decks and all the Snapdragon yeah. sound stuff. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, again, this is very much the art supply store again. Like mm -hmm. you can have this codec or you can have this codec. We've right. got them. They're in hardware. Go nuts. I do feel though. That this is actually a pretty exciting step, the Wi-Fi 7. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a while before we get Wi-Fi 7 routers and stuff. I think CS is going to be the big Wi-Fi 7 brouhaha. But having a phone that you're going to keep for two, three yeah, years exactly. that has that in it is going to be a nice feature to have. Yeah, because right? you're, especially if you're listening to this, you're mo you're probably going to be getting a Wi-Fi 7 router within the next Sooner two years. Sooner than later, yeah. You know, and of course, it's on the router part, it's just going to be one of those things where you're just going to go get a new router and it's going to have... Wi-Fi 7. Boom. Just like I, you know, just happened to end up getting a Wi-Fi 6 router. It's like, you're just going to go about that and now your phone's going to be a little faster. You know? Yeah. And more importantly, if you have a laptop with Wi-Fi 7 later, then you now you can transfer files between your devices. Mm -hmm. Like you might not need to use, use USB connectivity anymore. Like you can airdrop or whatever the equivalent is on your platform uh, very quickly, mm -hmm. which I think is actually good because, you know, we're barreling down a road where the future is portless for the mm -hmm. phones. Like it's, it's clear, right? Yeah. Like, so, I mean, how long will that take? I mean, it's already been done. I think, I think it was Vivo or mm -hmm. Oppo. Somebody did it a few years back as a concept. But I think that, you know, when I see what Apple's doing with MagSafe, like I'm wondering, and I, th continuity and I think ZTE did a MagSafe compatible uh, back on one of their phones without yeah. advertising as such yeah. because they didn't want to get sued. Mm -hmm. But like, I'm surprised that nobody else is just kind of adopting that, right. even if they're like, maybe they're afraid of Apple, but I, if all of them started doing it, like if all the new phones next year coming out, the flagships all it's have the circle on it, the circle on it in the back, what is Apple going to do? Huh? I know it's a, it's a circle of magnets. It doesn't seem like, like <laughs> what are they going to do about it? Like, I don't, you can't really like, Especially when the phones are out. Like, mm -hmm. what are you going to do? Like, I don't, I think that Android should jump on that because the reason I'm bringing this up is because I think that that's where Apple is going. They're going to give us USB C for a couple of years, but once they can get Wi Fi 7 on their laptops yeah. and their phones, which is another generation or two mm -hmm. away, AirDrop is going to be way more effective than yeah. actually transferring even like, 4K video files yeah. whether USB. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be with a 
portless phone makes sense because MagSafe, if you can accelerate the charging speed yeah. through the same standard, like mm -hmm. the same interface, imagine a MacBook in the future that in the two back corners of the screen mm -hmm. has MagSafe support. Sure. And you can charge it at 66 watts yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of think that's where we're headed slowly, whoever, Apple, whoever does it. So I feel like Wi-Fi 7, we, right now we're kind of like, yeah, what's the use case? You know, your internet at home is probably not as fast as Wi-Fi 7 right. anyway. And that's so, always the argument against. So but like, I feel like we're going to start seeing uh, more and more wireless, you know, support that is taking away some cables for us mm -hmm. uh, because of Wi-Fi 7. So, you know, yeah. What else is it they announced on radio? I don't know. I think that was it. Well, five, more 5G stuff. More 5G more stuff. More efficient. Oh, AI beamforming as well. They have mm -hmm. basically better reception on 5G radios because they use AI. But they have AI implemented right in the radio, Yeah, which I think is cool. Dual SIM, dual active for 5G connections. Yeah. Which is like, okay. That's another art supply store thing. Totally is. We're not um, going to see that on too many phones. MediaTek's been in that for a while, actually. That's because their markets are very mm -hmm. dual SIM heavy. Uh, yeah, on the connectivity front, that was... That was it. That was it. I think that's really it, guys. I mean, yeah. like, the thing, I, the way I feel about it every year that I come here or every, <laughs> you know, every year that even any manufacturer comes mm -hmm. out with a new chipset is like, oh, cool. Like, I'm not blown away. It's very evolutionary. What really matters is when we get the phones in our hands yeah. and we start testing them and go like, oh, that feature is cool. And it wasn't possible before because of this chip. Right. And that's when you're like, ta-da, you get mm -hmm. the moment where you're like, yeah, this is exactly what I needed. Right. Yeah. So let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it. the big thing for me, again, every time, every time we come here is like, it, it sucks that we take like this amount of innovation for granted. Yeah. But like we kind of do at this point because <laughs> like Qualcomm just keeps killing it. Yeah. In this, especially at the the top end, like every single year and you, you're just like, okay, we're just going to have these great chips available and they're going to provide all these crazy features. Like, I don't know, maybe we're just a little spoiled. But. I mean, we are, but I mean, at the same time, we also, we've seen it where it didn't matter some years, right? Like, you know, like some, like in the past, the plus chips were just such a minor improvement yeah. that this year we were like, wait, wait, what just happened? Mm -hmm. Like it was such a major improvement. Yeah. We were like, you know, it almost felt to me like the A plus Gen 1 was what the 8 Gen 1 should have been and yeah. they just couldn't do it. Mm -hmm. And they're like, oh, perfect. We need to uh, have a plus chip. That'll yeah. be it, right? It's kind of easy for them. But at the same time, you know, I think we can't deny like there's hundreds of people working on this yeah. day in, day out for years. Like it's all a combination. Like they announced Orion, the next mm -hmm. CPU core architecture. Mm -hmm. And that's not coming until next year. But they've yeah. probably been working on that for two years now. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's not even going to be actually announced until next year and made available <laughs> to partners. So we're probably talking devices at some point in 24. Yeah, you know, who knows? Yeah. And and again, is it going to be the same as when Snapdragon 808 and 810 mm -hmm. came out, where they went to like they get rid of their own cores and mm -hmm. use the ARM core, and the performance wasn't that great, and the heat was a problem? Like I'm not saying like I know Qualcomm knows yeah. what they're doing, but when there is a they radical change of the, architecture like that, I'm always yeah. like, hmm. They knew what they were doing back then too. And no, but I think that you always get that. First, sometimes you get that first gen product that needs to happen for the future to happen, mm -hmm. but it's not that good because something is not perfect. Like perfect example of that, Galaxy S20 Ultra. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Look at the 21. Yeah. Great. 22, awesome. Mm -hmm. 20, 
it had so many problems, it didn't right? Come together. Mm-hmm. But you have to give Samsung kudos for being the first to say, "Oh yeah, we're going to make a phone with two telephotos and a 108 megapixel <laughs> exactly. sensor." You know, like yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but then the next year they nailed it, mm-hmm. and so maybe it'll be like that. I hope not. I kind of, you know, feel like Wacom. Hopefully, he learned that lesson from the 808 and A10. That was kind of a, a bit of a dip in the 800 series. But anyway, um, the other chip, I mean, there's so much that was announced here. So I'm not going to go through everything. But I, the thing that kind of interests me the most, and I put it in the topics for you, yeah. is the AR2 Gen 1. Yep. Right? And I think the reason for that is because I'm much more of a believer in AR than VR. Mm-hmm. Like, I get it. VR is fun and important. Some people love playing games. Some people actually work out with VR. Kudos if you do. I'm mm-hmm. not going to take your fun and excitement away from you, but it's not for me simply because I, I feel claustrophobic. I feel yeah. not nauseous because I'm not that bad, but I just don't enjoy it. Every mm-hmm. time I, even the highest quality VR I've ever tried has never been a fun experience for mm-hmm. me. And I don't see myself working out and playing games. But at the same time, that being said, I feel like, you know, it's like AR is really going to be cool because, yeah. you know, we have smartwatches that cannot give us ambient computing, augment our phone experience. Why not have glasses that augment our phone experience? Mm-hmm. And what's exciting to me about the AR2 chipset, the Gen 1, is that it really is an augmentation of your phone. Like yeah. It relies on the phone. It uses Wi-Fi 7, actually. Yep. And But the way they designed it is that so that, you know, the problem with a lot of these AR glasses, they've been a little bonky because you get the battery on one side and mm-hmm. the processor on the other side, but you get all these sensors and all the wires for all these sensors. Mm-hmm. So what they did is they kind of like created, multi- it's really multiple chips mm-hmm. that are designed to minimize the number of wires and to make the form factor more like, I mean, these glasses that I'm wearing are pretty big and that would possibly work yeah. in these glasses. And they showed, I mean, I have the little diagram up, but it's... One chip one in, the, in middle the bridge that gets then, all the sensors, and then one on both sides, correct? Both arms, and yeah. it's really smart because mm-hmm. there's very little cables or wiring going through, mm-hmm. and it's very power efficient, right? They do a lot of edge computing stuff where, like, some stuff like like you know motion head tracking and like eye tracking is all done locally. There's yeah. no connection; it's all processed, and then you kind of get that bigger data once it's processed out to the other chips and then out to the phone. And I don't know. I think that it's very clever. And it's the first time I've really been like, huh, we might actually see a product from the Chinese makers, especially, right? right? That might actually be the first thing that we go like, okay, this is viable. Yeah. Right? And that's kind of why I'm excited. Like mm-hmm. they're giving essentially in that our supply store, they're giving a set yeah. of tools now that let the OEMs make some AR glasses that don't suck. I don't have any indication of what kind of price levels we're talking here it's going to be expensive it's, at I, first i imagine it's a thousand dollars i figured for a pair of glasses yeah. like that the biggest question is the display technology mm-hmm. right like they're what they show is you know is there the way they architect with their chips but like we saw the niantic demo mm-hmm. right there was a niantic device and yeah. it, it was still a little bulkier yeah. because it had extra cameras and the, you could tell the displays were taking up a bit more space. So I think you're going to see different implementations, but I would love, you know, coming from my time at Pebble and stuff where really we were focusing on notifications and just yeah. augmenting the phone use. I would love a set of glasses I can wear that just pops stuff up when it matters. Yep. Um, and I can kind of like in the same way as I can filter my notifications, I can filter like, well, how much level of overlay do I want? 
what do I want to overlay, right? Very minimal, hopefully. Like, for, yeah, I mean, some people want, will want more. You know, maybe at a, when you're at a conference, you want face recognition on. So, you know, that person you met that one time that you mm -hmm. forgot the name of, but it's in, they're in your address book or something, it can recognize them and it right. pops up their name. And you're like, oh, yeah. Because, you know, that I'm bad with names. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of a holy grail for me. <laughs> uh, if you ever meet me once, like, make sure you say your name multiple times because yeah. otherwise I'm going to be forgetting <laughs> but anyway the point is i think this is kind of like you know uh in a car imagine you drive a classic car right we're both car people yeah you drive a classic car stick shift you don't want to like add some ugly like right. seven inch touchscreen thing to it like you imagine now you print your glasses on you have your phone in your pocket and it's giving you directions yeah your car is unscathed you don't have to worry that's about that's actually anything. a good i mean even if you just think about cars for a second how manufacturers have found a really nice balance for head-up displays yeah some have, have gone a little overkill but like for the most part it's like they understand that that is they found the right amount of information to have glanceable and available right in front of you it, because they have a very narrow task obviously like you you don't need the the world you know when you're just driving down the road but i think that taking the same philosophy behind ar glasses would be really helpful like yeah just nail a couple of parts and let the technology. I catch mean, up. for that it would be great. Um, Mini, a few years back, like BMW Group, mm -hmm. like five or six years ago, invited me to a thing in San Francisco where they had a Mini Cooper and this pair. It was Snapdragon powered hmm. as well, but this is years ago. Like, and they were pretty, pretty light and small considering oh. what they were, but they were a pair of glasses, and you put them on in the car. And they would basically add as a heads-up display for the car. Mm. And there was a little charging dock in the car, so you could leave them there. Mm. But what the coolest part was is that, you know, when you're parking, you don't want to curb your wheels. Of course, most cars nowadays have, you know, 360 views right. so overhead, you can see. Or they have, like, uh, you know, the, the rear view mirror will tilt down so you can see. But what was cool is they did an AR thing where it would show you a camera view from the rear view mirror oh. through the footwell. Okay, like so cool. you actually yeah. saw your wheel through the metal, right. through the sheet metal. Right. Make my like, car transparent. You'd be like, okay, I, I'm not touching the curb. That yeah. was like super cool, little things like that. Okay. And it was head tracking, right? Mm -hmm. So the heads up display was always kind of in front of you. That like, would be even better now with 360 cameras on cars. Yeah. I mean, you would be able to basically make the whole thing transparent through your glasses. So now imagine that it's not just specific for the yeah. car, that it's a device that you wear every day for your everyday stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know, there you go. Cool stuff. Yeah, it's, like, it's neat. Like, like, look at it this way. I sleep. Without glasses, obviously, I wake up, first thing I do is put my glasses on. So, yeah. And then I reach for my phone to see my notification. Yeah. Wouldn't it be great if my Google ecosystem, because I know Google would do it right. Of course. Uh, yeah. Aggregates all that data and says, you know, in a corner I can see like, you have, just keep it lightweight. You have 12, 12 critical notifications, mm -hmm. 13 that are not. Here are the, you know, here's the time. Mm -hmm. here's the first meeting you have yeah. and maybe here's your stocks or whatever it might be right yeah. like you're if you're if you're a person with stocks like that just or the weather and the weather yeah. maybe right? that's it give me that right that's all i need right and then you know then i can now pick up my phone and drill into it and then for the vast majority of the time they're just glasses yeah and or, they're not bothering or what if like i'm not even seeing anything and i go into my room and i say you know i'm not going to say the keyword here on the show but i say uh-huh and then mm. it, it instead of <laughs> Verbally answering to me because maybe my kid's asleep, it pops in on my glasses. Yeah. Like I'm asking for the weather and it pops the little icon, you know, the right. card, the mm -hmm. Google, the Google yeah. card. 
So like that's kind of like the, the the scenarios that I see. A lot of the scenario, I mean, and it's a lot of the scenarios that we've all kind of drooled over. Yeah. But now when you look at things like this, you're like, this could actually. Yeah, be because on the, now the this is the horizon. closest thing we've seen to like a practical solution. That yeah. isn't a giant headset or hardware, you know, physically tethered to a phone or, you know, obviously supremely limited in terms of battery life because, right. you know, past chips were not efficient. For sure. So, yeah. We're talking about a set of four nanometer chips here with minimal interconnect, just doing things wirelessly. Yeah. And I think that's the other thing is because the phone is still doing the heavy lifting. Yeah. You're, you're balancing the battery load between two devices, right? Right. And the phone is already designed to be super efficient, so it can actually handle a little bit more load. Um, yeah, look, I mean, Snapdragon ER2 Gen 1, check it out. It's pretty right. cool. I'll put some links in the show notes to your write-ups on digital trends. They did list companies that they were, are, uh, that they're saying they're already partnering with. So Lenovo, LG, Enreal, Oppo, Pico, Rokid, I don't know, Rokid, Sharp, <laughs> TCL, Tencent, Music, Xiaomi. So like... Wow. The mix of, you know, obviously a couple of those brands are already in the the heads up display uh, field, glasses yeah. field. And, and then, yeah. yeah. And then you've got the, you know, the big endemic manufacturers. So, so speaking of which, you know, there was a plethora of partners announced with Snapdragon oh my goodness, HN2, all the <laughs> right? Uh, going back to phones now. And it looks like the Xiaomi 13 series is going to be the first. And uh, I saw, I found an article here that with a leak that shows the phone. I'll put it in the show notes. It's on Tech Radar. Um, basically, you know, it's exactly what you expect. It's the usual, the numbered phone by Xiaomi, which yeah. is going to be coming a regular and a light and a pro version. And it's going to be coming out. It looks like December 1st is the rumor right now. Of course, not bringing a Gen 2. And this is, this is the classic move uh, yeah trying they're to always trying to be first trying to one-up them you know each other and we're like oh yeah okay generally we say these products will be available in the next year but yeah. it's like especially now with snapdragon summit this year being like two weeks earlier they're like ah how about how about december 1st i mean last year they like you've noticed the last couple of years the chip right? wasn't like, even unveiled it's until actually like coming they're coming out earlier and earlier right yeah. last year i think we had Sometime mid to late December was the first. And I think it was mm -hmm. Moto or Xiaomi. I can't remember one of the two. And then for the 8 Gen 1. And then this year, it's like a December 1st. And I think a lot of this happening because of Chinese New Year, right? It comes up. It's late January this year. Mm. So it's actually even earlier. And, you know, for them, they need these phones out in time for the holidays, their holidays. And so that means that it's a weird schedule for, for us. It looks weird if you're in the West, right? Because you're like, well, what do you, why, why would you launch a phone in December? Mm -hmm. But especially your flagship, right? So yeah, so we don't know too much, obviously. We've got some renders. I'll, I'll, I'll link to the story. Um, you know, we got some potential specs here. You know, it's pretty much what you expect from a flagship right now. There's mm -hmm. really nothing too crazy going on here. 50 megapixel cameras. Sticking and, the whole punch display. Yeah, yeah. And we've got the 6.2 inch on the smaller one, which is kind of a pretty nice small size display. Um, maybe we'll have a more compact flagship to play with here. You know, which I think a lot of people want, mm -hmm. right? No kidding. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Pricing, well, you know, the the Xiaomi flagships that would be really affordable. And this is a this is India price, but we're looking at 820 US dollars for the Pro, which I think is a pretty good price. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I'll um 
I'll let you know when I find out more code because obviously we'll have a podcast once it becomes official. Um, yeah, so that's not the only one. The Moto was up there, mm -hmm. uh, Vivo and EQ, EQ, whatever they're called, the the the, the sister brand of, yeah. of Vivo. Um, I think Oppo was up there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they did a ton of partner cutaways. Oh, it was crazy uh, over both over both more days, than usual. But, yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, you you guys. I think I saw a story somewhere that recapped, I think it was GSM Arena, that recapped every, every phone, one. potential phone announcement. Mm -hmm. um, so I'll put that in the in the show notes. All right, let's move on to something that I think the audience is going to be really excited about. There have been some leaked renders of the <laughs> Pixel Fold. And people Google. have thoughts. <laughs> and Oh, my God. So what's your take? Like, I mean, are you on board with folding phones? Are you a folding phone um, guy? I do not carry a folding phone, but I am on board with this being the future. Okay. I'm just not sure, or, or I should say part of the future. I don't think that there's any reasonable expectation that all of our phones, you know, even over a certain price point are going to be foldable. Like right. even when you factor in the, the flip and fold options, you know, the hamburger and hot dog options, <laughs> the, it's clearly going to be a thing. Right. Like, as just an option. I don't even see it as, I mean, right now, obviously, just from a cost perspective, they end up being the highest end ones, but not the highest end in terms of Specs camera and performance yeah. necessarily, um, but just from the display being so expensive. Um, I think that we're going to get to a world where you've got high-end non-folding phones and high-end folding phones, and then you even have like the mid-upper tier folding phones. We're still years and years away from folding being like, you know, a, yeah. addressable at like a, whatever, a $500 price point. But. I, I think we're getting there. I think that um, we're the flip ones, mm -hmm. the, you know, that form factor. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some 699 phones in the next couple of years. Uh, probably not from Samsung, but maybe from some Chinese maker. Then, you know, I mean, TCL came close to the Chicago. They never mm -hmm. released. I think that's the price point they were aiming yeah. for. And it was a Snapdragon 7. 65 or something it was a mid-ranger right so um we've definitely reached the point where we know that the hinges and the displays are are there yeah and um, even water resistance which is amazing and there's still room i mean obviously there's still room for improvement in the you know the durability and the in terms of the number of folds and of course they're just going to have they're going to have lower production yields and they're going to have lower i guess quality standards over time but yeah. like that's addressable like that's also fine i think yeah. the fundamentals are good enough i think to we're there now out. yeah and you know i had michael fisher on last week on the show and you know obviously he loves folding big folding phones. yeah but you know what we've noticed is that there's very little competition in the flip realm with samsung yeah but there's a lot more competition in the tablet fold kind of experience everywhere like, like mm -hmm. the the xiaomi one the mi fold 2 yep. is which is gorgeous pretty amazing have you seen how thin that thing yeah. is right anyway, i mean it makes the z fold 4 look like, like a joke like a right i know yeah. and then you know when it's closed it almost looks like a regular phone mm -hmm. i mean then there's a vivo one there's a, a an honor one is a Huawei ones. So I think we're seeing more competition there. And this is where the pixel fold comes in because it is one of those form factors. But here's what excites me. It looks more me. like the Xiaomi. I'm <laughs> hoping they launch this and this is real and it's happening and because it's been on and off, right? The rumors have been, they're doing it, they're not doing it, they're doing it. Like renders don't mean anything. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, as much as I'd love to see this myself as a pixel user, 
what excites me the most about this is finally for this market, North America, mm -hmm. some competition in that realm that's yeah. not Samsung. Because yeah. right now, if you look in the flip competition, you know, is it really competition? Technically, yes, we still have the Razer 5G, right? And then the flip. That's but, a technicality. But it's a technicality because <laughs> that almost doesn't count. Yeah. But we have zero competition on those tablet folding yeah. phones. Whereas if you go to Europe right now, you can buy the Xiaomi, you can yeah. buy the Vivo. So I'm super stoked to see that. I want, I want to Google to go through with this. I'm cautiously optimistic. I just I hope mean, they don't mess it up. The, it's silly, but like the, <laughs> it's silly, but the, the concern for me is software. Really? It, it actually is. But with, after seeing how many iterations Samsung took to, to start to changing are, yeah. little things, all the like basically like brute forcing they have to do to make Android apps work. The dock thing is cool. And the, the dock is a great idea. But look, they didn't have the dock until no, this one. Until this one. I mean, it took them several years to come up with like the oh. Yeah, know, the dock. <laughs> uh, and also, I mean, some of it came from hardware with making the cover screen dramatically um, bigger and more usable. Yeah. And in these thinner ones, uh, like the Xiaomi and what we see in the renders here, like this looks much more usable when closed, which helps a ton. For sure. But I don't know. It's silly to think that, uh, or I should say it sounds silly that Google would have trouble with software in a new form factor. But we have spent a lot of time just destroying Google over how poorly they handle tablets. Right. At the same time, as Michael was saying last week on the mm -hmm. show about the Xiaomi, they haven't really made too much effort, except that they've kind of decided that the front is a copy of the left side of the inside of the dock. Mm. Of the, okay, so that's basically clever. it's kind of, if you rearrange the icons on the front, it's basically rearranging the one side of, and so it's actually in a way kind of works pretty well. That's very clever. And yeah. of course there is support. Samsung treats them as separate. Right. Screens. They support the uh, whole idea of scaling up the apps and stuff as well. Right. But you know, what's got me excited is the Oppo Find N from last year, mm -hmm. which is supposed to be coming out with a Find N2 sometime soon. Potentially, you know, I, I'm not holding my breath, but in my dream world, we would see OnePlus launching an equivalent version of that yeah. phone for this market. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know if you play with it, Shot is like an iPhone mini, yeah, a thicker one. yeah. So it's really small, really compact. Yep. You can get some basic stuff done. And then you open it up and it's not as big as one of those usual tablet no, phones. It's, it's only like, like 7.2 or 7.3. Yeah, it's not like 8 and plus. So now you actually, you don't really need as many of those tablet optimizations. Mm -hmm. You basically just have more screen real estate, you know, and I it's actually just like, like a, that. It's, yeah, it's like a normal size phone, but just applied. To yeah. Like so you just, you just rotate it and then you get your portrait. You can run Instagram and it works mm -hmm. and you get just, you see the pictures better. Yeah. You know, you get a big viewfinder when you use a camera. So, you know, I'm not saying that, yes, ideally you'd like We'd like, based on the size of this thing, we should have some software optimizations from Google. This is Google. This is their, they're like the pioneer of the Android system, right? Really. Right. So they really should be giving us the goods. But right. I could see a world where this exists and has some kind of just basic optimizations like that, you know? So I don't know. I'm, I'm just excited that the potential of a phone that's designed for this market with the right bands yeah. and everything. That's not a kludge, you know, like yeah. the Oppo Find N was a Chinese phone and they sent it to us, all of us to review, yeah. you know, which is ballsy of them because so much can't be, you can't change the launcher. Yeah. You can't change the SMS app because in China those are locked. 
And you know, you had, I had to manually install Google Play on there. Mm -hmm. It wasn't a nightmare to to do, but it was still far from a daily yeah, driver. Yeah, that me, ends up right? that ends up tainting the experience, yeah. even if you are excited about the hardware. Exactly. Yeah, so I, I totally understand the excitement from that perspective. Yeah, that's um, why I'm I'm stoked. Right. And also, you know, part of me is also still afraid because I'm like, Google has made some pretty big mistakes launching new devices. Mm -hmm. You know, like, and this is Gen One, so. Oof, Hopefully it's right. not too bad. But then again, they've given us two generations of flagships now that are pretty kick-ass. Yes, yeah, they're really good. So anyway, we'll see how it goes. And um, that's the thing. And just like, just last thing for me is like, they're also going to continue to do non-flagging pixels. You yeah. know, this, this like, people are quoting $1,800 plus for Oof. this maybe. So let's assume 1600 to 2000 Let's just assume it's somewhere yeah. in that range. That's not going to steal any like there's no overlap it's with a thousand dollars or more than a pixel right. 7 pro <laughs> right that's not going to steal anything from a pixel 8 pro you know what i mean yeah, so yeah, right. that's kind of as, as long as it doesn't give them um you know shiny thing syndrome and they start just start focusing only on the full no, i don't they think they will in. like as long as they don't do that it's like, great. Like, let's see, like you said, let's see a little competition for the fold in the U S yep. and you know, if it's not up to speed yet, you've got the the standard pixel line, which like you said, it's like, it's been, which is bulletproof. It's been solid. Yeah. I mean, especially the A series. I mean, yeah. anyway, so, you know, I just want to go some quick rapid fire news here before we talk about a car. Um, <laughs> so as I mentioned before, the Vivo X90 series is going to be launching on the 22nd of November. This is the flagship from Vivo with the crazy cameras and the Zeiss partnership. One of the top five camera phones every year is the X-Series from Vivo. And again, they tend to come out with a new one every four months. <laughs> We've seen this year alone the X70, the X80, and now the X90 Pro, or regular and, and a Pro, mm -hmm. and then a Pro Plus sometimes even. And these phones have everything, and they're amazing. And I'm pretty sure this phone will have Snapdragon 8 Gen 2. Mm -hmm. So... Um, stay tuned for November 22nd. We don't really know too much. I'll put a link from Android Police on there. They have a few kind of hints of what we might see and get. I think we're going to see the one-inch sensor. We're going to mm. see the IMX989, which is the oh mother of all sensors right yeah. now. So good news. Oppo Reno series is another phone that somehow comes out every four months with a new version. <laughs> I, I cannot even keep up with them. Um, we just currently have the 8 series, which is mostly known for the pro version having the Mary Silicon neural processor ISP enhancer, which makes for really awesome low light video, mm -hmm. kind of like something that Snapdragon has shown us yep. that, you know, you can do. And so, you know, now there's a Reno 9 series coming and we're not sure what to expect. Well, what to me was interesting about the 8 Pro particularly was the Mary Silicon ISP combined with the Dimensity AT100. Because remember, the Fine X5 Pro had the Mary Silicon X ISP, mm. but it was Qualcomm 8 Gen 1. Yep. And I was like, I thought it was, they could only work with Qualcomm. Only, yeah. But apparently it's, no, it's a universal solution. Hmm. So these phones are, both of these phones are significant in other markets like India, Europe, uh, and China, of course. So I just thought I'd let folks know because there's actually three days in a row next week. So this is 24th is the Reno, 22nd is the Vivo. But in between those two, we covered it last week. There's the folding phone from Honor on the 23rd. <laughs> yes, yes, it's happening. So like if you are a Chinese phone aficionado, next week's going to be yeah. a fun week for you guys. Okay. And of course, we'll go into detail next week about them. 
The last thing I want to talk to you about, because you're a car nerd, okay. is, so I bought a, a Mercedes EQS AMG for the Sonoma trip last mm-hmm. week, and it's a great car. I drove, I drove it actually a year ago in Palm Springs for a day, but I wanted to get more seat time on it. And I was like, what a great car to take to Sonoma, right? Yeah. Like it's a luxury car, it's an AMG, it's fast. And it's a it's a really great car. It's it feels so much sportier than the regular EQS, but it doesn't yeah. lose any of that comfort and size and the thing you'd expect from an S class that's an EV. But the day before I went to Sonoma, I drove the Polestar Two, and it's called the BST Edition Two Seventy, and mm-hmm. that thing just blew my freaking mind. And you know, it takes a lot because I've driven the mod, Taycan, everything. This thing drives unbelievably well. Coming from the base of the Polestar 2, which is... Right. So... It's pretty pedestrian. It's interesting because Polestar was kind of like to Volvo what AMG and M is to, you know, Mercedes and BMW mm-hmm, mm-hmm. back in the day. They would tune Volvos to be like bonkers station wagons kind of thing, right? Yeah. Then they decided when they got acquired by Geely... Uh, which is a Chinese parent company now that's mostly an EV maker to, you know, uh, create a custom brand for the EVs. And it's like, oh, Polestar is such a great brand. Let's make cars under that brand. But they also make Volvos that are EVs, which is interesting because right. Volvo, you can get you the get cars. The, like The recharge versions. Yeah, you can get kind of like the hybrids and the gas and the, and the electric on the same mm-hmm. platform. And then the Polestar is just all EV. And... Except for Polestar 1, which was a <laughs> Which wasn't. But. Right. But the Polestar 2 is, and there's a 3 coming out of 4 mm-hmm. and 5 and 6, actually. Um, but the current Polestar 2 is a really competent EV. It's like a competitor to the Model 3. Mm-hmm. And there is a performance model, which actually kicks good ass. But they decided to just tune one for good wood last year and to do the, the hill climb. Mm. And just, you oh, know, okay. they basically said, let's... Polestar the Polestar like mm-hmm. let's let's create a performance tune in let's factory by the best put people all the extra little have. bits on this let's get yeah. all these old Volvo people that used to tune stuff for sportiness and instead of making just a regular EV let's get them to do something crazy yeah. and so they're only making 270 that are all sold out 56 coming to the US again all sold out but they did bring a couple of them to the Bay Area for us to drive and you know there's nothing different about the drivetrain it's the right. same as the highest performance Polestar 2 all-wheel drive that you can drive. And the interior is the same too. You get the yellow seat belt, but it's little details they change. So they the suspension is pretty much all different. Hmm. And oh my God, I have never driven an EV that is this razor sharp hmm. without being hard on you. Right. Like it is stiff, but it rides well. It's really tough I, to do. With I the don't know how they did it. But the best yeah. part is that it's going, using Olin dampers all the way around mm-hmm. that adjustable. So you can go in the front. They like to stole some room from the front to put the reservoirs Which is in there. The, the, it's the Polestar thing. And and you can adjust it. So like you can click, change the clicks and uh, make it stiffer, make it whatever you want and behave differently. And it kind of gives you like that, that tuner vibe to a, a, a platform that essentially is not really tunable, and, right? Yeah. Normally, right? So... And it's um, just very pedestrian and, and commodity. And anyway. honestly, you know, it was such a delight to drive because it's mm. so razor sharp. Like I've driven, the Taycan is very good, of course, and Lucid Air is one of, another one of my favorites for driving. Um, but this thing, because it's a smaller car, it's a little lighter on its feet to start with, and it's got pretty good oomph in terms of performance. 
On top of that, the suspension setup is just unreal. Hmm. Like they did a uh, front strut brace, also the special tires designed for that. And then they essentially had, uh, used the Polestar one wheels, but they didn't fit. So they had to like <laughs> kind of made a replica of the Polestar one uh, that would fit. Okay, that's what's happening. Little things like that. Yeah. And it, you know, at $76,000, if you could buy one, because now you can't sort of sold yeah. out, but it's not that expensive. No. And, I, and you know, I have a bottle three performance. And I was like, I want Paul Starter to tune my car. Yeah. Like, I, <laughs> yeah. now I'm almost really tempted to go get suspension upgrades for my car because this is wow. Just wow. Yeah. Like, I'm, I drove all the other Paul Stars and I was like, yeah, these are nice. I would totally, I would totally recommend these cars. But that thing, very special. Just very, very cool. Special. Very cool that they took this approach. Like you said, they, the, the powertrain is just kind of on lock. And so let it be. If you're not going to go up to the next level of, oh, well, we put, we re-engineered this and put completely different motors in it or something. Like, just like the, the tuner approach is pretty neat. And you don't really see that with EVs. And I think that, again, they, they, they pulled it off too. It's like, because the balance between the sportiness and the comfort is hard to pull off. Mm -hmm. You know, this could be a daily driver and you could have your right. kid in there and be chill and they'd be asleep in the back seat. Your Slow grandma up. would be yeah. in the passenger side. They wouldn't even know. And then you go right. in the carving the canyons and you have an incredible grin on your face. Yeah. And you know, it's hard on an EV because you lose some engagement. You don't have a yeah. transmission to shift. You know, for those of us who like stick shift, like I personally prefer stick mm -hmm. shift, but you know, their drivetrain is is eager. They've also retuned the mapping on the accelerator pedal, so it's a little bit more oomphy. And so you can actually really kind of like adjust the car's behavior in the corners by just playing with the throttle. Mm. Like, you know, do I want to power side a little bit or not? But just the throttle will control it. Right. It's just fabulous. So it was uh, under embargo last week. I couldn't talk about it. But now, <laughs> like, there it's out and about. So just... It's nice because it came out of nowhere. I, mm. I was like, oh, it's going to be cool. How can it be bad? It's a pole star. It's yeah. going to be good. But not what I expected. Just I don't. Do, do you have any idea of how popular the Polestar 2 is? I do not see them. You see a few of them in the Bay Area. They don't seem super popular. Because they, they do kind of stand out. I mean, they're, they, have, they have a look that is, you know, one wouldn't drive by if you're us. Right. One wouldn't drive by and you not notice it. Right. So... I'm kind of surprised that I haven't. I think seen they're more kind of like Volvos. You know, you you notice if you're a car person, mm -hmm. but you don't really notice because yeah. they're not very exciting yeah. looking. If you're not, and I'm in the Northeast, so I see a lot of Volvos. Like Volvo wagons are still very still much a, a very thing, thing in in the tri-state area. So yeah. I would have thought that maybe and like. Look, the XC60 and XC90 are like I just a dime think, a dozen. They're all over the place. I don't so. think they have the volume. Yeah, it know? just doesn't seem like they've they've moved that much. And it runs Android Automotive, which is actually mm -hmm. delightful because you just log in with your account. Yeah, and everything another, just comes in. It's yep, great. Another gas-powered Volvos, and it's yep. it's fine. Yeah. Well, listen, we should wrap up. Do you want to tell folks where they can find you on the internet? Your handles, I know. Yes, you know. Uh, you can find me at Digital Trends, although I'm not writing that much anymore. So, so Twitter is where it's at at Andrew Martinick, M A R T O N I K. Are you on Insta? I am under the same name. Do you do like a lot of photos, or it's just a, eh, a little bit? I'm. I'm active. Okay. I say that. Not a lot of tech on there, but you Okay, know, good. Whatever. No. Twitter is for the Twitter is for the mostly tech. the tech. You want the hot takes? Go you to want Andrew. the hot takes and the shit posts. <laughs> I, I got you there. And then on Insta it's like, okay, you're gonna see that we're at Snapdragon Summit, you know. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> or you know Ooh, look Maui. <laughs> exactly. You wanna see right. me snowboarding this winter or running in the, the spring and summer? 
That Insta's where it's at. There you go. <laughs> well, folks, you know where to find me on the internet. I'm at Tankerl. That's T-N-K-G-R-L on both Twitter and Instagram. Think comic book character. Drop all the vowels. You get my handle. Twitter is a good place for you to hit us up, Andrew and I, about this podcast. You have some questions, some comments. Absolutely. And then Instagram is where you'll find pretty pictures of phones and cars and travel and food. All taken with phones. I tend to prioritize the phones. Of course, the podcast lives at mobiletechpodcast.com. We're on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Spotify. Everywhere great podcasts are found, as they say. As you said it, exactly. <laughs> and if your app lets you rate or review the show, please consider doing that. That'd be pretty awesome. There's a couple of YouTube channels right now. They're a little bit on hiatus, but those of you watching on Patreon know that you get your videos through mm. YouTube. YouTube.com slash mobile tech podcast and YouTube.com slash mobile tech more. The first one is phones and wearables and personal audio. The other one is all the other stuff, basically travel tech, car tech and home automation, all that. So there's still a bunch of videos there. I'm going to be posting more soon. So stay tuned. Uh, you know how YouTube works. Like, subscribe, tell your friends, click the little notification bell, comment. You can comment about the podcast or whatever you want. It's totally fine. You want to get more content, better content, special content, join Patreon, patreon.com slash tankgirl. That's patreon.com slash tnkgrl. You get a video version of this podcast ahead of time, about a day or two before the audio public version. You get it with video. I don't edit it as much. You'll get the swear words. You'll get a bunch of other (laughs) (laughs) things that might happen. So uh, to give you an idea, the last two shows, we had an extra 10 minutes of content that I didn't put in the audio version because it was running too long. So that happens. So consider joining the Patreon. It really helps me make the show happen every week if you support me financially. So there's other tiers. There's a Discord server you can join, a bunch of stuff. So patreon.com slash tnkgrl. Check it out. I want to thank our sponsor today, which is Audible as usual. Audible is awesome. They've been with us since the early days of the of the podcast. And if you love books and you like to read like I do, they're the number one in audiobooks and you can't go wrong. We have a special offer. You get a 30-day free trial. You get to keep a book at the end if you stay or not. I think you'll stay once you try it out because it's so awesome. Basically, they have an incredible selection of books. Some of the books are read by the authors. They have some short-form content. They have some podcasts that are exclusive mm-hmm. to the platform. It's really affordable. And you get to try it out for three days without any questions asked. So please consider helping me out that way if you maybe can't do the Patreon or something. Check out audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. That's the URL. That's audibletrial.com slash mobile tech. And again, thanks to Audible for being our longtime sponsor. And thanks to you, Andrew. Of course. For being my guest on the show. Good to be in in person. I know. And of course, thanks to Qualcomm for setting up the interview. So, folks. We'll see you next week with another show. You know that I'll have one. Stay tuned for that. And until then, cheers, everybody. Bye. This has been the Mobile Tech Podcast with Tank Girl, proudly presented by worldpodcasts.com. You can visit us online at mobiletechpodcast.com.